Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cheapastro.com. And this is The Carnival of Space. Number 230. The Carnival of Space is a weekly collation of web-based content on astronomy, space exploration, and science in general. And now for this week's Carnival of Space. Drop something? Ian O'Neill from Discovery News reports on the mysterious metallic ball that fell from the sky in Namibia. Turns out it's a COPV, a composite overwrapped pressure vessel, which would have stored gas under pressure on some kind of human-built spacecraft. We are yet to hear which one. Ian suggests that either NASA or ESA will eventually be putting their hand up. Planet Toast Meridiani Journal tells the story of the latest two Earth-like exoplanets to be found by the Kepler spacecraft. These exoplanets are orbiting the star KOI-55, a largely burnt-out star that has already gone through its red dwarf stage and is now a briefly bright sub-dwarf B star, before it fades further to become just another white dwarf. Prior to going red giant, it's possible that KOI-55 was an F, or even a G-type star like the Sun, and it is the case that the two planets are between 0.7 and 0.9 astronomical units from the star. This means that both planets were engulfed and deep-fried when the star went red giant. But before you start thinking that this might make them potential Krypton candidates, consider that the deep-frying process would have reduced the original planet's sizes. Indeed, if Earth had gone through such a process, it's unlikely there would be anything left of it. So what we have here are what were probably a couple of tepid-hot Jupiters, cooked over a scorching-hot flame for a few million years, and then left to cool. Two charred bits of planet toast. That just happened to be about the same size as Earth. A big year for AAVSO. Sim Astronomy, that's Mike Simonson, runs us through the 2011 highlights for the AAVSO, the American Association of Variable Star Observers. Not too surprisingly, AAVSO observed quite a number of variable stars over the year, but it was all a bit special since it's their 100th year and they surpassed their 20 millionth observation. Not too shabby. Name that supernovae. CMO Astronomy is back telling us how there can be expected to be at least 500 new supernovae discovered in 2012 which is more than one a day. So you would think the first one, to be denoted SN2012A, might be announced virtually straight away on 1 January 2012. But no, even if it's observed on 1 January, it takes a couple of weeks to verify the finding, because you have to check out the light curve that is emitted. So, what we'll probably hear in the first couple of weeks of 2012 is confirmation of supernovae observed in December 2011, which will be denoted sn 2011 whatever. Cheer up and vote. The Air and Space magazine blog provides a slightly depressing review 
of US space policy developments, or the lack thereof, over 2011. The retirement of the space shuttle fleet looming large in that assessment. Still, outlining all this as a problem, without being able to offer an alternate solution, is not altogether helpful. So come on, folks in the US, you live in a democracy. Vote, and vote wisely. And then advocate for space exploration. In fact, why not everyone do that? Lobby your congressperson, member of parliament, king, queen, duke or duchess. Tell them why we've got to fly. Cheap Astronomy's contribution to this carnival of space is a contribution to the 365 Days of Astronomy by our esteemed colleague, Julia. Hi, my name is Julia and this is my contribution to the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. One thing that I've always been curious about is how small an object in space would need to be so that you could literally jump off it and careen off into space never to return. So I thought I would have a look for the answer and share this with you all. I figured the first bit of information I needed to gather is just how high you can jump on Earth. Several jumps against a measuring stick later. I cleared the measuring stick at around 50 centimetres, or 20 inches for those who entered the 21st century kicking and screaming. With this figure, I then needed to calculate the jumping velocity, and then compare it to the object's escape velocity, and voila! So, with a jump height of 50 centimetres, and the Earth's gravity of 9.81, that gives me a jump velocity of 3.13 metres per second per second. So onwards I go with my calculations. Moons and asteroids and comets, oh my. Earth, escape velocity 11.2 kilometres per second per second, or 11,200 MSS. That's a negative, but then we knew that already. And we can pretty much rule out all the other planets. So how about moons? Our moon, well, we know for sure that we can't jump off it, though a few of the Apollo astronauts gave it a good try. The same goes for the other big roundy moons, like Jupiter's four Galileo moons and Saturn's bigger moons like Titan, Enceladus, Mimas and Iapetus. But what about the smaller, more potatoey moons? Mars has two small potato-shaped moons. How about those? Phobos has a radius of 11 kilometres and a mass that gives it an escape velocity of 11 MSS. So no, you can't jump off Phobos. What about Deimos? With a radius of just 6.2 kilometres, it has an escape velocity of 5.6 MSS. What about asteroids? Just how many of these puppies can we launch from? Well, the biggest one is Ceres, and its escape velocity is 517 MSS. So that's a definite no. But once you do get down below that magic 5km radius, as long as the mass is also low, off you go. These include Remus, which is actually the moon of an asteroid, and you might be familiar with Itakawa, of the Japanese Hayabusa return sample mission fame. So how about further out into the solar system? Jupiter has an awful lot of tiny moons, most of which are probably captured asteroids. Unfortunately, we don't have mass figures for a lot of these, but I can at least tell you that Carpo, Kale and Eupori are worth a shot. Saturn also has many small moons, 
most of which we had no idea existed until Cassini plonked itself into orbit. Even so, we don't know the mass of most of them, but at least I can tell you that you can have yourself a bit of fun jumping off Daphnis, Polini, Polydeuceus and Methoni. For Uranus, it's a no-go for its bigger moons like Titania, Oberon and Miranda. The only potential I could find is Mab, with a radius of just 5 kilometres, but without its mass I can't say for sure. Neptune is a bit of a party pooper. Most of its moons are just too big. But then again, we've only done a quick flyby of both these worlds, and without something handy like Cassini orbiting them, we really don't know if they have a plethora of tiny little moons we just don't know about. But what about comets? There's only a few we have data on, and they have very familiar names. You might know of comets Halley, Temple and Hartley, and yes, you can jump off them. So there you go. Tiny moons, asteroids and comets that have a radius of less than 5 kilometres and not too massy are small enough for the average person without too bulky a spacesuit to jump off. Anything bigger, and you would need to order that rocket-propelled pogo stick from Acme. Well, that's it from me. It's been my privilege to host yet another Carnival Space. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where 2012 won't be the end of the world, but perhaps the start of one. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye!